91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. Hey everybody, I'm Chris Fafalius, and I'm the producer of Krista Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder Podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience, and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting, and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can check out our website at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. Episode 299 of Horror Movie Night. I can't believe we've come this far. Right before we get to episode 300, I said, hey, let's go back to 1956 and talk about, I I don't know, is it the worst creature from the Black Lagoon? Is Revenge of the Creature worse? I can't remember, but we're talking about Creature Walks Among Us, the third and final film in the Creature Trilogy. My favorite of the Universal Monsters, my favorite of the Universal Monsters trilogies. It's slower than I remembered it being. I liked it. I think it's a lot of fun. But here's the thing. My memory of this movie is that Creature is a human being like 20 minutes into the movie. And then when I watch I'm like, all right, we're getting near an hour and he's still the Creature from the Black Lagoon right now. <laughs> I feel like the third act is a, a little rushed. And also just every guy is very uncomfortable when he they're around Jesus, the girl in this movie. <laughs> so right out the gate, hit play on my DVD and... I just love that 1950s Universal International logo. Nation globe. Yeah, yeah you're dude. just like, you're like, ooh, here we go, baby. Like, you get so excited for it. Immediately, you got some green screen driving action to kick off the movie. And I'm just like, this is 1956, baby. Let's get into it. 
And it, it, it is a fun movie. Like, I will never dislike just seeing the creature from the Black Lagoon. Whether he's, like, swimming, he's doing his little sexy backstroke, staring at people, or, or what. Like, I love the fight, too. Yeah. Like, that, that fight is pretty baller, you know? I, I do think that this is arguably my least favorite of the three movies. I still think it's very, very good. But I think that that late night attack sequence yeah. is awesome. That is, like, what we watch... In the 80s and 90s, horror-wise, where it's just like, it's pitch black, you're on a boat, you can barely see anything, and then just like, he just like pops (laughs) out of the water, and you're like, this is fucking awesome, like, it's so good, him catching on fire is like an amazing stunt man effect like why did he contribute to that though because he was just in a rage because he poured gasoline on himself well he's <laughs> a creature from a black lagoon who probably doesn't know what gasoline is because he lives in the water and doesn't drive a car oh uh, see no see the answer is he's got gills so yeah. he probably mistook it for water yeah, so, oh, thirsty. A little juice. Yeah, a little <laughs> juice. Get it going. This, this water tastes like shit. <laughs> so, uh, one of the things about this movie is this is the definitive end of the creature from the Black Lagoon. And we talk about this sometimes movies that have a consistency to them. And admittedly, both creature movies prior to this, we see him floating in the water and you're like, oh shit, he's dead. Like, he's been like shot by something. But Revenge of the Creature, they go back to where they first saw the creature to recover the body and find that he's still alive. Mm-hmm. And then they transport him to Florida and they think that he's and they think that he's dead. But this one, they go to the Florida Everglades to try to find him because they haven't captured they they want that body. And then they capture him. Now he no longer has gills. And like it's kind of like I don't want to say it's a sad ending, but like he goes back to the world that he knows, which is the water, but he has no gills and he's just going to drown. And that's yeah. going to be the end of the creature. Like, it's a very, like, dark ending for this for this character that, like, I mean, I feel like this is kind of the case with most of the Universal monsters, with the exception of, like, Dracula. They're not monsters. Yeah, like, Wolfman does not want to be a killer. Frankenstein doesn't understand his surroundings and Creature from the Black Lagoon is just a creature that's being fucked with by people. <laughs> like, if he was just, like, yeah. left alone, he'd be fine. So, like, this character just essentially dies because, like, human beings could not stop fucking with it. And I don't... I, I, I thought you would side with me more when I said that this would be a good double feature with Day of the Dead. No, I agree like, with you. kind of. You're like, kind of. I'm like, no, it's like literally I'm at work. trying to humanize <laughs> monsters. Don't forget oh, don't give me. I spoke to you for an hour and a half the other day while you were at work. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But like text messages are a lot easier to ignore than a phone call. Yeah. No, but I was like, yeah, he's right. But when you first said that, I didn't totally get what you were talking about. And I was waiting for a picture. You have this habit of sending a sentence that's supposed to be followed by a picture and then it takes a good five minutes for the picture to follow up for yeah. the context. So oh. I was like staring and waiting. And then I was like, oh, he's talking about Day of the Dead and Creature Walks Among Us. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Like, Gotcha. You're like, oh, yeah, these two would be a good double feature. Hmm. Oh, it's his balls and his taint. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Classic Brian. <laughs> Classic Brian. It's, it's just a really good movie. There's very 50 elements in this movie. One of the things is like trying to show that Marsh is not like every other girl 
And the way they do that is her with a shotgun shooting at sharks in the ocean below. Yeah. What a weird way to introduce this character to be like, she can take care of herself. Look at her with a gun. You know, it was a fire line in this movie, especially what? for like the 50s of what that entire era was, was when her husband calls her a slut. Like, you look like a slut. And she's like, no, only you see me that way or something. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, what a great fucking line. You know what I yeah. mean? She gets a bunch of good lines. And she has yeah. that other line. They're, they're talking about, like, pressure sickness. Or like, mm-hmm. if they go down too low. And he's like, it's like getting drunk on water pressure instead of champagne. And she goes, I think she says something along the lines of, like, I love getting drunk on champagne. Or maybe she says, I never get drunk on champagne. I don't know what it is. But whatever it was, she she's cool as fuck. Like, she's yeah. the best <laughs> character in this movie. She's a very well-written character, especially. Especially for like especially for the 50s yeah yeah, yeah like the, no women got written this cool in 1956 <laughs> especially not in like a horror movie like maybe yeah sorry in that's like, what i was implying yeah maybe in like a screwball comedy where they're just like every character talks like quick and and fast but like not mm-hmm. in these types and of they movies. also talk like this yeah so yeah, yeah. yeah. See, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> one of the things that they're really lucky about honestly is that they have a boat that has a burn ward attached to it. Because... Thank goodness. You know, and the funny thing is, is that when they, so they, they wrap him up and then they're like, let's see what happens. And so they see what happens. <laughs> and then when they're like, it's time to take the bandages off, this dude is going like gangbusters. And I'm, I, I mean, even beyond, okay, creature now has skin. Slow the fuck down with those scissors, dude. I'm thinking like, Slow the fuck down with those scissors, dude, because there's a guy under there just, like, with latex on his skin. You do not want to slice him up. I was very worried about it, but Creature comes out beefy as fuck. That dude yeah, is, what, like... Yeah, did they give him steroids when he was I don't there? know, but, like, he was definitely beefier after. He's he's a giant of a he's creature. He's Herman Monster. He looks like yes. fucking Herman Monster the rest of this movie. And there's a scene. It's not supposed to be funny. It's not. But it made me laugh anyway. And it's after they they finally get off of the water, which, like, I'm not going to lie. As soon as I saw them in, like, an operating room, I thought for sure that they had docked somewhere. And then all of a sudden the creature just, like, waltzes off of a boat. And I was like, what the fuck? They're still on a boat? Well, here's the thing is that they they were attempting to capture the creature and do experimentation on it anyway. Because at the very beginning, the shitty doctor, the husband of the, the sassy wife, uh, he, like, throws shade at the, the other doctor, I, I, a surgeon or something like that. And he goes... I had no idea you could arrange surgical instruments this well. And so, like, they, they, it's not that weird that they have a boat no, with a totally medical bay. No, it totally makes sense, but it just, like, threw me off for a second. I'm like, oh, shit, they're still in a boat. Somebody was definitely smug when they were attending his burns, though. Like, someone yeah. was like, yeah, Chuck, you thought it was stupid to have a burn ward on a boat. <laughs> What'd you say? We're surrounded by water? When would we need something like this? <laughs> All right, John. But, yeah, so the part that made me laugh is they take the creature to land. They get to like this little farm. They have a nice cage with sheep just prepared for the creature to live in. And they put him in this cage and then they walk around and the doctor's like, I'm gonna show you what a two-way mirror is. And then he like, in the classic, like the ending of Psycho where you take 20 minutes for a doctor to tell you things. He's like, let's explain what two-way mirrors are. And him and the doctor have this full conversation. And the whole time, the creature's just staring into nothingness in the background. And I'm, like, watching it in my brain. I'm like, okay, like, classic horror movie. He's going to be, like, right up in front of that mirror, like, staring at them or something at one point. Nope. Just staring off into nothingness in the background the entire time. Like, they were just like, all right, Steve, you're going to be in the background. 
just stand there, be normal. And he's like, okay, I'm going to be normal. And like, his idea of be normal I mean, is stand perfectly still. He's in a new world. He doesn't know. He's breathing <laughs> air. What he should have done is it just should, they should have done more with it. Like, I would have liked to see him walking around, him chasing after a, a sheep. And then him running away while five sheep chase after him, you know? What, while Yakety Sax plays in the background, you dumb shit? While they're having, like, such a serious conversation. I do enjoy this movie quite a bit. I mean, I think that all the creature movies are good. But, yeah, I mean, this one, it's it's a ballsy move. I think that that's what it comes down to. It's, like, it's a really weird decision at this point to be, like, all right, so you know how we really love the creature from the Black Lagoon and how he's like half man, half fish. Well, what if he wasn't? What if he's 90% man (laughs) and beefy? Like such a weird like pitch. And they're like, like imagine what this could essentially be in a weird way is this is like the fifties version of like leprechaun in space. Like this is just (laughs) like, well, we've done all we can with him. Let's shoot him in the outer space. (laughs) They're like, well, we, We've really stretched the limits. We put the creature in a lagoon. We've put him in SeaWorld. There's literally no other places to put him. Let's just make him a human and put him on land. And that's why we're that's where we are where we are in 2021 because we ran out of out, out of ideas in 1955. Yeah. And we've just been trying so hard ever since. Yeah, we've been trying to just recreate the wheel. See, here's one thing I got to say about this movie that that it was so satisfying. I mean, I really I really enjoyed the watch and it's not it's what like 70 75 minutes yeah, it's, not it's not long, long yeah. at all but i have a note that it, it, it verbatim it says i swear if this husband doesn't get broken in half by the creature i'm gonna be pissed he's a sh- total shitbag and then my last note is that was as satisfying for me as it was for creature because yeah. it's like this is wish fulfillment you get right. to see that guy be an asshole for an hour and then get ripped apart just like so rocked i wrote a really weird note and i guess it applies for two different people because it kind of applies for when I wrote it. When I originally wrote it, I was thinking of Marsha. But it works for the creature, too, which is I just said, this is like a 1950s version of I Spit on Your Grave. <laughs> Dude's doing something shitty, and then you get the you get to watch them all get killed in satisfying ways at the very end of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I would, find, I would say this movie is a far less problematic and far more entertaining revenge mm-hmm. flick than, than I Spit on Your Grave. But that's just me, you know? Yeah, you do you, no. buddy. Hey, it is what it is. Uh, the other note that I wrote down is that it is very in- it's very entertaining to watch the bulky creature try to swim. He's just like, Ugh, uh, I want to see him try and wipe his ass. Like, you know, he's just <laughs> he's so you, big. You know that scene uh. when the creature gets to the bottom of the ocean and he's like, oh, my God, I can't breathe. I don't know if that was acting or if that was actually this poor guy in this bulky ass suit just sinking to the bottom after exerting himself trying to swim in that shit. I'm going to hope. I just hope that they had someone right off screen or right right off you know like out of the picture with a, a second rebreather for that poor fuck because yeah. like i mean first of all it it's a full body suit that has to be incredibly uncomfortable to be put into because even in the you know modern times it's no fun to get put into a costume like that like a, a massive prosthetic and so like in the 50s it could not have been fun at all but i mean i guess by this time we have 3 of these uh going on and so they probably are pretty good at it by that time but every time i see the creature underwater in these movies except for the very first time you see the creature swimming in tandem like belly up to belly down of the woman in the white swimsuit in the first one yeah that's the only that's the only time where i'm not basically holding my breath until the creature's out of the picture because i'm like 
oh god, poor poor fucker that's in the is in yeah. the costume can't breathe either. Well, it's you know what's kind of wild to think about too is that I think that these movies, like their underwater cinematography, is actually really impressive. In Do, were in they? These films. I think that they had to have been done in aquariums though. They weren't done in actual like lakes right yeah i would imagine I that when we had underwater sets. cameras yeah but but like well no i mean like good. They, they had an underwater camera but i i mean there had to have been a water an aquarium stage like a, a you know like a sound stage but it's an aquarium that they used for these i mean it just seems to me like there's no way that you could in in the 50s control the environment enough and you're also dealing with people that are in basically a modified wetsuit you know, swimming around. I mean, I don't know. I I still think that the creature from the Black Lagoon, the first one in particular, is that it's it's just it's really impressive because of the the fact that they were dealing with technology that was new. You know, underwater photography and or you know, and underwater cinematography, and and they had to get this poor son of a bitch in the the costume and then make him swim. Yeah, that's crazy. Ninety one Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. Double features. I'm going to go with a weird one. Now, I wanted to go with a part three of a franchise. I think that Creature Walks Among Us is a more successful part three than this part three. But I think that they are both movies that took super wild risks. And it led to them standing out amongst the rest of the franchise for good or for bad. And I'm going with Alien 3. The concept of how, like, these alien movies, they put it on, like, a fucked up prison planet. And, like, it's, like, darker and grittier and kind of, like a much more heavy social commentary than than the prior movies. And I think that that all also applies to Creature Walks Among Us in a weird way. Sure, I can see that. I wouldn't, I personally wouldn't ever want to watch Alien 3 again. One time was more than enough for me. Um, I'd play the video game though. If we were ever to talk about an Alien movie though, it would probably have to be Alien oh, 3. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so you may have to watch it again one of That's these fine. days. I, I would do it for you. <laughs> Aww. Or for Brian. Since we never are going to get to talk about it on the show because it's just so goddamn problematic, I do enjoy Humanoids from the Deep on my own terms. Obviously not yeah. the fish rape, but the, the ridiculous the costumes. Ri- yeah. The creature design is fun. And it's just silly, you know? And I think this movie is a great, you know, like it's such a 50s movie. Like this concept of let's experiment on the creature and turn him into a human is so 50s. It, it worked for me. I think it's absolutely ludicrous and fun and i think that the the fish monsters in humanoids from the deep which is really a pastiche of 
creature from the Black Lagoon anyway, is just, you know, it's fun. I just hate to, I hate to, hate to say that out in, you know, mixed company because really, the, really offensive film at the end yeah. of the day. It's, yeah. If you watch it on your terms and you realize that it's an offensive film, maybe that makes it a little bit better. But again, it's just, and it's, I think it's that a, it knows seriously that a guilty it is. pleasure. Like, I think that well, I mean, they go Corman into, picture, yeah, so. like Corman went into it knowing like, this is going to piss people off. Brian. How about you? What's your double feature? So Matt Matt loves the 50s movies, like I love 70s movies. And I love 50s period pieces more than I actually love 50s movies. So I probably pair this with like Ed Wood, right? Like I love the whole aesthetic. I would even go as far as to say I could pair this with like Crybaby. Because I, you know what I mean? That's just what I like. I like the idea of the 50s more than I like movies that were actually made in the 50s. No, I, I think that that's fair. All right, so let's dive into things that you watch that you want to talk about. And, uh, I mean, first things first, not just because of Scott's recommendation. This movie, this show has been recommended to me by quite a few people, but we had to cover it for my favorite episode. So I watched all of Ted Lasso this week. Yes. And just top-notch storytelling. Bill Lawrence, so you've done it again. I'm very excited. In the, in the research that I did, it sounds like it's going to be three seasons and then done. I'm really That's excited. Yeah, I'm excited that they're like, nope, we've got a very defined start, middle, and end, and we're just going to tell that story, and that's the way you do television properly. <laughs> so I'm excited to start to watch that weekly uh, when it comes back. So Yeah, yeah. I have two. I have two rom-coms, actually, because Megan and I have been... I know. I've just been well since Wandavision's been done. Um, we're like, well, what the fuck are we gonna watch? And so, Megan was like, "Oh man, Beautician and the Beast." I can't believe that's on Hulu or Prime or whatever. And we watched it, and it's not bad. I mean, it's not. It's it's a goofy ass movie, but like, it's. I mean, it's basically if I you know my favorite word apparently is pastiche because I've used it the like. 20 times in the last two weeks, but it's kind of a send up of, you know, Sound of Music, obviously. And so Fran Drescher is hot. I never knew. I just, I knew her from the nanny being an annoying voice, you know, and, but she is 10 out of 10 in that movie. And Timothy Dalton playing the exact same character that he plays in everything, the bad guy with the rough voice. And I turn to Megan and I go, do you think that he was a bad person in real life or it wasn't lies? was acting you know from rocketeer but uh that was that was a great watch really great watch and then last night we watched um a movie that was suggested by a friend of ours he and megan went to college together and he did a an episode on plus one with maya from yeah um, i I think i recommended that recently on the show plus one is a lot of fun the reason why i wanted to mention them both beyond the fact that they're both rom-coms is that maya is hot yeah, when she's not like a fifteen-year-old version of herself. I can <laughs> tell. There was just something I knew watching Pen Fifteen, where I'm like, I bet that girl is beautiful. Yeah, her yeah. with like super long hair and stuff. Like she's just cute and sassy. Yeah, I mean, she's also fucking hilarious in it. I yeah. love when they just let her be herself. Dennis Quaid's son. All I can hear, see is as as is Huey, but you know, he's not bad in it. It was a fun watch. Uh, it's popcorn, you know, popcorn rom-com, but very my brand. It's the type of rom-com that I've always loved. It's that when Harry met Sally type movie. You know what I mean? Like yeah. two, mm-hmm. two friends, they hang out. Will they, won't they, they date a bunch of different people, but like the whole time you're like, you two should probably be together. When are you going to realize that you should be together? <laughs> like, City of Lies. It is about, it's starring Johnny Depp. It's about Russell Poole investigating the death of Biggie Smalls. 
And man, it, we are on this like week after week. Yeah, <laughs> we love Biggie, man. <laughs> and it, it's a really, it's a really good movie. It's a very misleading movie, but as far as like, it's a very well put together film. The the actual story of that cop is pretty tragic. So basically, he was he was convinced that the LAPD was behind Biggie Small's murder. And like, don't get me wrong, the LAPD was scumbags and they were working for death row, but they're not behind his murder. And he pretty much lost his job being obsessed with it. And like, this isn't in the movie, but like the true story is and what happens with most people when they get like these conspiracy theories or they're trying to like, they have an idea and they're trying to prove their idea is like he would constantly get all of these things that built up his case, but every piece of evidence that disproved anything, he would completely disregard. So it like... The only evidence he looked at is what backed his theory, which is very common in the police department, which is why there's a lot of innocent people in jail, uh, yeah. unfortunately. No, it was it was a it was a cool movie. It was it's definitely worth a watch. It's definitely cool to see how fucked up the police was and continues to be because that was the biggest thing. It was like we cannot sell out our own team no matter what they do. We have to try to bury it and, and, and hide it. So I think it's I think it's worth a watch for sure. Look up the real murders of of Biggie because it's pretty much figured out and it's it's a fucked up story about two people that become victims because two egotistical fucking music producers pretty much are the cause of their death. Yeah. On that shitty note, episode three hundred next week, everybody! Yay! You can uh, obviously leave comments on our Facebook page predicting what you think episode 300 is going to be. It's definitely a movie that we've referenced a million times. Multiple times, I think we even said, ooh, we should do that for episode 200. Ooh, we should do that for episode 250. Ooh, we should do that for episode 300. So if you've been listening for the last like three years, there's a good chance you might have a sneaking suspicion of what we're finally going to talk about. It's Beautician and the Beast. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, go and hit up our Patreon, patreon.com backslash podcast. Send us some emails at hmnpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know movies that you want us to discuss for September's Listener Submit It Month. Tune in for another episode of Horror Movie Night. Listening to the Geekscape Network. 91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes.
You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 